episode, Ken Schumann and a group of faith walkers reflect on how Jesus was discerning. The focus scripture is from Mark 5:35. This conversation was recorded in December of 2023. Our mission is to make wholeness possible for individuals, communities, and the world. To learn more about faith walking, visit www.faithwalking.com. Join the conversation. Mark chapter 5. I want to catch us all up because in Mark chapter 5, I like connecting all the stories. So remember, Jesus was across the lake of Galilee, and uh, and he and he met the the demoniac man, and he cast the demons out, whatever all that means, and. Um, then he came back across the lake, and you'll remember that while while they were coming back across the lake, a storm blew up, and you remember Jesus calming the storm. And then they come and they get to the to the beach, and there's a crowd of people already there, ready to meet Jesus and his crew uh, at the beach. And Jairus, who was probably in our vernacular, we could say was the board chairman of the synagogue in that particular community, comes, runs at the feet of Jesus, begs him to come heal his daughter. If I could make my first comment here, it's interesting to me that we have stories in scripture where people brought people to Jesus to be healed. And in this story, this guy comes and asks Jesus to go to his daughter for healing. And it's just interesting to me that some brought a man, you'll remember the story, lowering a man through the roof. And then these people, uh, Jairus comes and says, please come, uh, come to my house, please come. And Jesus said, okay, I'll come. And then as they're heading that way, we have this pause and Jesus, uh, heals a lady without even knowing it, who has the issue of blood. And we've talked about that story. Uh, and here, here's something that, that stood out for me. Jesus never got in a hurry. It seems like I've lived most of my life in a hurry. Oh, I've got to get to, oh, I'm, you know, I'm anxious, and it's about my anxiety. I'm anxious about doing the things I need to do, getting to the things I need to, to get to. Uh, you know, I, I can just put myself in Jesus' shoes. If, I'm, if, if I was Jesus, I would be so anxious about getting to Jairus' house to heal his daughter. That man, I, I I think I would have run. Okay, let's go. Get in a car. Let's let's get over there. This man's got a. Jesus didn't do that. Um, Jesus stayed focused, and he stayed fully present on whomever was right in front of him. And I find that to be really significant, especially for those of us that do any form of ministry. It's easy to begin to get distracted by the crowd and miss the person in front of us. 
And I, I just find it significant that, that Jesus stayed focused on who was it that's right in front of me right now, and I'm going, I'm going to tend to them and deal, to, deal with them. Uh, so then, after the miracle with the woman of issue of blood, Jesus moves on to take care of Jairus' daughter. And here's where we pick up the story in verse 35. And I'm, I'm going to read the scripture, uh, and this is from the voice translation. While he was speaking, some members of Jairus' household pushed through the crowd, and they said to Jairus, your daughter is dead. There's no need to drag the teacher any further. Now just sit for a minute and, and imagine hearing that news, you know. You, you just called for help. Jesus was coming. You thought there was hope. And then the, and then the people say, hey, you know what? It's too late. Your daughter died. We don't need the teacher anymore. Now, now notice in that they, they had enough faith to believe Jesus could heal. But they'd ne never seen anybody bring anybody back from the dead. That's a big jump, right? Okay, yeah, okay, we can heal. We, okay, maybe he's got some special ointment he puts on people and he heals. But so no need to come. Jesus overheard the words and then he, then he looked at Jairus and he said, Jairus, it's, it's all all right. Don't be afraid. Just believe. I don't know how much faith Jairus had, I'm not even sure what his faith was in. Do you, do you get that? I mean, he knew there was a healer in town. And he had heard stories of other people being healed, and maybe he'd even watched other people be healed. And so when he ran to Jesus, he said, I, I'm convinced you can heal my daughter. He had enough faith to believe in whatever Jesus had but I'm not sure what he, what he believed beyond that. But Jesus reminded him, don't, don't be afraid, just believe. What a, what a great motto for life. Don't be afraid, just believe. Don't be full of that anxiety that you're full of. Just trust God. Well, yeah, but it doesn't go the way at all it's supposed to go. You know, here's what I'd be arguing with Jesus. Yeah, you tell me to trust, but my daughter just died. How, what am, you know, what, what's up with that? So Jesus asked everyone but Peter, James, and John, James is a brother, to remain outside when they reached Jairus' home. Now, let me just stop there a minute, okay? So here's, here's his entourage of people, 12 of whom are his closest disciples. And of the, of the 12, he picked three to go into the house with him. Now, I have to admit, if I wasn't one of the three, I would have been jealous and envious. My shame voice faith-walking term, would have shown up. Well, what's wrong with me? Why, why aren't I good enough? Why, why wasn't I invited? And it's just fascinating to me that another faith-walking idea, Jesus didn't take responsibility 
for the feelings of all the disciples. So here, when stuff gets stirred up in us, it's usually our stuff. And we're responsible for managing our stuff and dealing with it. Do, do you understand that? Let me, let me give you an illustration because it happened this week and it happened for me. And I'm going to get vulnerable and honest with you, okay? I'm I'm hopped up on whatever that was they gave me, so I'm just going to get really vulnerable today. So my mentor this week posted a little simple post on faith walking uh, uh, on on Facebook. And uh, and he was he was posted a picture where he was in a meeting with about five or six other people, all of whom are authors, and they were having this great time, and all these authors were together conversing. And I got jealous, and I got envious, and my shame voice got triggered. Well, why couldn't I be in that meeting? Well, because you hadn't written a book. <laughs> That's number one. Yeah, and why, why hadn't you written a book? Well, I've started about three. Uh, I, 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 I really I have a book on my computer that is just on my computer, uh, but none of that's the deal. Uh, I was just envious because I, 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 I know I've read most all the authors that were in the group, and I'd love to hang out with them. But I wasn't included, so I had to deal. I had to deal with my own. Okay, what's that about, Ken? What What's that stirring up in you? It's stirring up envy and jealousy, and it's stirring up my shame. And who's responsible for that? I'm responsible for that. I'm responsible to to deal with it. So I I. I wrote down a little phrase. You may not appreciate it, and it may not even be any good, but I but I wrote it down, and it and it kind of speaks to me. The first thing I wrote down was, "My shame continues to hound me." It just continues to yap at my heels. It continues to show up, and I'm not sure. I, at least, at least for me, I've, I, I've not gotten to the place where shame doesn't hound anymore. And I'm not sure we ever get there, okay? I just am not sure we ever get there. But it gets, it gets better. And so here's the, here's the second part of that that I wrote. My shame hounds me, but just because it barks doesn't mean I have to feed it. Okay, so stay with me on the dog metaphor. If the dog barks, that doesn't mean I have to feed the dog just because the dog barks. Just because my shame shows up doesn't mean I have to give in to my shame. Okay, back to our story. So I can imagine that the mostly nameless disciples might have had some envy and might have had some jealousy and might have their shame might have gotten gotten triggered when when Jesus Pope chose Peter James and John now here's another thing that just intrigues me he picked the three fishermen now i don't know that there's anything significant about that 
but but he picked the three fishermen. Those were the three fishermen. He didn't pick Matthew, the tax collector. He didn't pick Simon, the zealot. He didn't pick, uh, you know, name one of the others if you can remember their names, you know. Uh, anyway, he picked those three, and they went into Jairus' house. Okay, so back to the story. So inside the, the synagogue leader's house, the mourning had already begun, and the weeping and wailing carried out into the street. If you study Jewish history at all, you, you'll know that, that grieving and mourning uh, is a really big deal. It's a significant thing. And it's loud, and and it's all sorts of things, and and so I'd like to pause here and give a little teaching moment also. And the teaching moment is um, grieving people need other people to sit with them in their grief. That's the best way I can say it. The scripture says grieve with those who grieve or mourn with those who mourn. Uh, it's, and, and here's the reason most of us don't. It's because death makes us anxious. Grieving people make us anxious. And out of our anxiety, we either distance from the grief and say, well, I don't know what to say, or I don't know what to do, or I don't know how to behave. And, and so we just don't show up. Or our anxiety overwhelms us with grieving people, and we show up and try to make them feel better by talking too much. You know, <laughs> we, we quote 15 scriptures uh, that don't help in the moment, or are we use you know platitudes that don't help? Here, here's a simple thing that I that I think I want to encourage all of us to think about, which is, can we manage our anxiety enough to just show up with people who are grieving and sit with them in their grief, not needing to fix it? not needing to say anything. In fact, it's probably best if we don't say anything, but just be with them in their grief. These folks were with them in their grief. And as a leader of the synagogue, I'm sure the most all of the synagogue was there supporting the leader of the synagogue and their mourning and their wailing and their weeping. Jesus and the disciples go inside and and here's what Jesus asked the, the mourners. Why are you making all that sorrowful noise? The child isn't dead. She's just asleep. Well, it's good, Gene, that we started the conversation with mental illness. Because I'm sure they these folks looked at Jesus like, are you on crack? I mean, you know, he's not on crack. Uh, but are are you crazy? This, she's not sleeping. We know what dead looks like, and she's dead. And and so one of the things that surprises me about the story is that Jesus asked this question. Anyway, the mourners laughed, a horrible, bitter laugh, and, and they went, went right on wailing, okay? So they laughed at Jesus, and they kept mourning. 
Jesus cleared everybody out of the house so that only his three disciples, Jairus and Jairus' wife, were left with him. They all went in where the child was laying. Jesus took her hand, and he said to her, little girl, it's time to wake up. And immediately the 12-year-old girl opened her eyes and began to walk. And her parents could not believe their eyes. I imagine not. What a day. What a day. I, can, I can't imagine anything worse than losing a child. And I can't imagine anything more joyous than, than getting that child back. Uh, yeah, uh, unbelievable moment. And then Jesus said, don't tell anybody what you've just seen. Yeah, yeah. Brenda, would you allow me to pick on you? Yeah? Absolutely. Could you imagine me telling Brenda she couldn't tell anybody? <laughs> I, I was just sitting here thinking that would be impossible. <laughs> impossible. Yeah. yeah. So we, we don't know all the reasons. Mostly it was about Jesus didn't, I, I think Jesus didn't want suddenly now everybody everywhere flooding, flooding around him. But, but here, here's the thing to say. When Jesus said, don't tell anybody, he created a boundary. So in Faith Walking, we talk about boundaries and how to have boundaries in our life. Well, that's a boundary. When Jesus only invited the three disciples to come in with me, with him, he created a boundary. When he asked all the people to clear the house, he created a boundary. Here's what's okay. Here's what's not okay. Here's what I'm willing to do, what I'm not willing to do. Those are, those are kind of boundary kinds of things. And Jesus just lived with them. I mean, he just, he just had them. And, and then uh, I, I love the humanity of the story because he, he tells them, okay, you're not going to tell anybody. And oh, by the way, what are we going to do when this little girl that everybody thought was dead walks out, out the door? And they, I mean, what do you mean? Tell her, we don't need to tell ever anybody. They're all going to see. They're going to know. And, but then Jesus says, why don't you give her something to eat? I know she's probably hungry. I'd, I'd love to find, and, and, and there may be really deep spiritual meaning there, but I, I, here's the thing I'm going to pull out. We talk in faith walking also about self-care. And I think Jesus is modeling this by saying, give her, she needs something to eat. Physical needs are important. Uh, taking care of ourselves is important. And here's a moment when that can happen. I've got other comments here that I can't remember all of to restore wholeness in people's lives. And Jesus was discerning the voice of God as invitation to join with God in God's work. And he went and, and he did that. And I believe God is on mission in the world around all of us, and I believe God is inviting us to discern his voice and, and to join God in, uh, in helping people be restored to wholeness. And notice that Jesus focused on Jairus 
and then he focused on the woman, and then he came back and focused on Jairus and Jairus's daughter. There were probably hundreds of people around him who needed had needs. He focused on those. He went where God invited him to go, and he joined God on mission in those places. And um, and it's as simple as that. And I believe, folks, this this is I deeply believe this. I believe that the work we do in faith walking is helping people be restored to wholeness. And as we do the work that we do, whether whether we coach or whether we facilitate or whether we just tell our transformational stories to other people, that it's an opportunity for us to be on mission with God also and helping people be restored to wholeness. There's plenty more, and I'm sure you see more, but that's all I'm going to say today. So what does that stir up in you this morning? What what questions do you have? What thoughts do you have? So um, I'm going to you know jump in because, shockingly, uh, I'm not shy. Um, so one of the things that we do, Don, is talk about the people, right, as people. And in this story, we talked about how this guy, right, came and got Jesus, and then Jesus stopped, right? Along the way, he's been stopping. And if, if he gets home, after he went all that way to get Jesus and Jesus stopped and helped all these other people. And I got home and found out my daughter was dead. I would have been ticked. I would have been livid. I would have been so mad. There would have been no calming me down. You know, I would have just been like, what? You know, because you stopped to help all, if you'd just been here, but he didn't do that. At least not that it's, that's not part that's recorded. Right. It's right. just that, you know, just the normal morning right. um and i just find that so amazing because i wonder if that's almost like the first and you know i'm jumping here this is my brain jumping you know where it's always we talk about how you just have to have faith um and the you know uh, in our monday thing that we're doing with marcus we're talking about um beholding god and just letting god do what god's doing not on our terms but on his terms it's almost like the first time that ha that you know i i see right where it's not it's not your timeline it's not up to you but just have the faith and i wonder if this guy just had that much faith that he even heard his daughter was dead and just went okay you know and just kept going and i can't imagine doing that myself i don't know it's just amazing to me because yeah or maybe he just started wailing and everybody else was wailing so hmm. he got me into the crowd i don't know yeah, uh, yeah, Gene, I hear you, and uh, and he didn't know, and and here, so here's here's another faith walking idea. What am I responsible for? What am I not responsible for? Jesus took only responsibility for himself. He wasn't responsible for any disappointment in Jairus or Jairus's wife or or anger. Jesus wasn't responsible. I, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. Uh, I'm doing it in the time I'm supposed to do it, and um, and I, I just know how often I take responsibility for that. Oh, oh my gosh! I I, I mean, I, I would have hurried through that moment with the woman because oh my gosh, Jarrah said his family needs me, and I got to get over here, and I'm I'm so important. I got to be over here, and I've gotten all anxious about that, and and which is why I come back to this idea: Jesus was. Not in a hurry. He focused on whomever was in front of him at the moment. Uh, 
But I think also there's something in this about there. I'm sure there were there were a lot of voices clamoring for him in that crowd, and these two are the two that he responded to. What else? I'm still trying to wrap my mind around the have faith and just know. You know, it's kind of like be still and know. <laughs> um, I have to be honest. I'm being told that a lot lately, and and it, it's. It's not been a circus, as you know, the past, I mean, it's been a circus <laughs> the last couple of months with all the, the hip surgery and all that stuff. But it's, it's just, it, it, I, I can't even imagine, you know, because when you're going through stuff, you sit there and you question, oh, do I not have enough faith? Is God punishing me? What did I do wrong? I mean, I've said this before, but, but then, but I am, I am completely comprehending that. God's going to do what God's going to do, regardless of what I'm feeling, what I'm thinking, whatever, whoever, whatever mayhem's going on. He's going to do what he's going to do. Mm-hmm. The hard thing is, is that trusting. It mm-hmm. really is. I, and I can't say I'm fully, completely there yet. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's just, okay, God, I don't know what you're doing. I mean, I could sit there and say it. Okay. I don't know what you're doing, but I- I'm down with it. <laughs> no, I'm not. Not in one right. minute. Right. So, I don't know how Jerish, I don't, I don't, I can't comprehend that whole scenario. Like, right. it's even funny to me because the, <laughs> one of the guys even says, you know, why are you, why are you still bothering Jesus? She's dead. You know, like, so he doesn't like respond. She's dead. Right. I mean, so it's like, right. yeah, we're going through stuff. She's dead. Yeah. So here's a question. So, so how do we respond when God disappoints us. Tell me. <laughs> I'm, I'm just I'm just asking. I don't I don't know that there's a formula. I I, I know. I, I you know, I think it's okay to say that there are times God disappoints us. Because why? Because we have expectations. And our expectations, my, here's my expectation. My expectation is my daughter's not going to die. I prayed for her every day that, God, you would protect her. Why did she die? I'm disappointed. I'm disappointed that you didn't run from the beach to my house like I wanted to do. I, 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 I'm disappointed. I'm disappointed that you took 30 minutes to stop. But when, when this woman touched your garment, I mean, she was already healed. You didn't need to stop and make a big deal of it. I mean, you know, it, it, why'd you do and, and, and just, just this idea that we have expectations of who God is and how God behaves and God isn't that. I have to interject there. I know why though. I know why. Tell me why. <laughs> I know why, because I have been sitting there questioning this myself. It's because we most often in the religion that we have been taught growing up, we have been taught, oh, if you're good enough, God's got your back. If mm-hmm. you pray hard enough, mm-hmm. then every, you know, you, you got to tell God, you got to revert, you know, repeat to him the verses that he, his promises and, mm-hmm. and he's going to make sure it's all good. Yeah. That is yeah. false. That is false. I'm mm-hmm. not saying he doesn't protect. He chooses. Right. Chooses. Right. That I can't wrap my head around. Yeah. Dawn, Dawn, jump in. If that's all right. I mean, I know I'm new to everything, but I, I'm We're really glad. enjoying it this. It is all right. It's all all right. Yeah. 
Um, so when you said that, when you asked that question, how do we respond when God disappoints us? My brain immediately went back to the story that you told a few minutes ago about the feelings that you had when your mentor posted that picture. And so in my brain, I immediately wanted to rephrase that question to how do I respond when I feel disappointed by God? Like, did God really disappoint me or do I feel that way? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm struggling with that because I have a yeah. lot of, of stuff going on in my life. So I understand mm-hmm. that. And I'm, I'm really having to, I'm just really having to struggle with that. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Don. Thank you for uh, being courageous and diving in, first of all. And thanks for saying that. And you're right. That, that's it. I feel disappointed. And the truth is, we all do from time to time, right? I mean, there are times when I feel like, yay, God, God came through just like I wanted God to. And oh, man, it's great. And my faith is strong. And then there are other times when I'm disappointed and in in God and that God didn't show up in the way I wanted God to show up or God didn't do what I would prayed and asked God to do. Uh, and yeah, it's sorting through all that. And, and I think all of that is about, um, it's, it's about reimagining our first formation faith. Brenda, that's what you were alluding to, because in our first formation, we we were given a faith, and some of it was was kind kind of nicely boxed up in these really nice little boxes that oh everything, and then life kind of got in the way, and it didn't turn out that way, and so we have to reimagine. Okay, well if well if this over here is not true, and and maybe that's not well, what is? And how do I reshape and how and how do I not lose my faith as I reimagine who God might be? You I said think. it right there, right there. Yeah. I, 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 I'm, I'm having to go back and revert and say, OK, this is what's true. This, this is faith walking. These right. are the these are the facts. Yeah. And, and that's hard. You have to really examine those facts. You have to like really go in and go, wait a minute. Who where where was this information given to me by? you know, and say, okay, I'm, I'm still operating in this past garbage, you know, having to restructure that. Yeah. Deconstruct. There you go. I'm deconstructing right now. How about some of the rest of you? Any thoughts, questions? Trish, what are you thinking up there? I'm thinking about how when God has not <clears throat> met my expectations, different scenarios in my life. And then my first reaction is I'm devastated because it's usually something that's harmful. Um, I think about my kids specifically, but what I'm, what I'm trying to learn is not to ask God. Well, first of all, not to take it on myself. Well, it's because I messed up somehow. And then instead of asking God, you know, why are you letting this happen? Or mm-hmm. how is it my fault somewhere? I'm, I'm learning to ask him where he is. Where are you in this situation? Where are you showing up? Because in our lives, and I, I, would, li- I would still like for all of the issues with my kids and stuff just to be wrapped up and like fixed. <laughs> 
with a nice little bow on top. Yeah. I'm learning is that that's not really, (laughs) that's not really a uh, good expectation. It's not a, um, what's the word I'm trying to, it's anyway, things don't work like that in life. Um, It's, but it's more like I'm able to see how he's working in them and in me in these steps in these steps. No, it's not fixed, but look at, look at what he's doing right here and celebrate the moment and celebrate the growth. And, um, and really, and it leads to my trusting him more. You know, I don't know what his purpose and plan is in this situation, but I can see him moving and I can see him working, working in it. Mm -hmm. So that's very much uh, an in-process thing for me. But that's what, was, that's what I was thinking about. Yeah, good, good. Judith? I was thinking very specifically, Trish, of, of my situation now and, and thinking, well, you know, I, I really believe that God was in this move that I made to Detroit. Um, and things haven't gone the way I expected necessarily. Um, and it would be easy for me to think, well, you know, to have that snarky, well, where are you in this, God? Instead of a real genuine, I want to be where you are, God, question. Um, and to look for that and and see that as positive. Um, and okay, so my human short-sighted expectations were not met, um, but God has a better plan. And I need to turn around and reimagine, as you said, Ken, I think that's really very practical for me right now. Good. Thank you for that, Judith. You're welcome. All right. For more information about Faith Walking, visit www.faithwalking.com. We want to remind you that Faith Walking exists because of your financial support. Please consider donating today at faithwalking.com. Visit our site for more workshops and courses available online. Thank you for listening.